Hey everyone, Jawad here with Hit The Apex Podcast. Welcome to this week's episode and a lot of news. A lot of news to cover this week. Um, things like sprint qualifying that's been announced during the week. Um, a new Grand Prix to the calendar for from next year, but also a Grand Prix replaced this year as well due to ongoing um, COVID regulations across the world. So I'll cover that off a bit later. But Portuguese Grand Prix this week, one of my favourite tracks I got to say from last year, and it's always been a favourite I guess ever since I've played it on the video games and watched it in um, GT racing as well. And MotoGP was there just a couple of weeks ago, and they had a bit of an exciting race too. So yeah, a lot to cover this week. Um, hope everyone's well and uh, getting on with their respective businesses and whatever they do. Um, I hope everyone, yeah, <laughs> hope everyone as well, just just lost in a train of thought there for a second, but yeah, Portugal, hey, Portimao, returning to one of my favourite tracks, as I said, and such a challenging one too, you know, I, I knew that, you know, the undulation and just some of the fast corners would be a bit of a challenge, and it was good to see last year, you know, drivers um, struggling at times, you know, missing the simple things as missing the breaking point going into turn one because of you coming downhill and then suddenly you've got to slam the the brakes and you know we saw that incident there with Lance Stroll and Lando Norris I'm pretty sure last year which did cop Lance a bit of criticism and interesting learning that Lance actually has a tattoo on his um on his ribs apparently I was watching uh some content put up by F1 on YouTube and yeah talking about um, my driver's first and last and apparently yeah he's got a tattoo so Gets a bit of respect for that. <laughs> um, the roller coaster this this um, track is dubbed, so yeah, pretty much is very accurate in that description. But last year we had a Mercedes one two, though we had a crazy start to the race, which saw Carlos Sainz lead. Uh, Mercedes basically couldn't fire up their tyres in those early laps, and it was different conditions compared to what we're expecting this year too. Um, it's going to be a lot warmer. Um, mid to high 20s the temperature and also because the track surface was newly put down for last year's race you know the surface this year will be a lot less green as well so um, should be a lot different to how we saw it but still should hopefully create some of that chaos too even though we're not expecting any wet weather on the radar to repeat the uh, madness of Imola last time out um there was also the moment where your current Red Bull teammates, Max Verstappen and Sergio Perez, collided as well. So they'll be hoping, and Christian Horner will be hoping, that there's none of that this year between the current teammates. But um, yeah, you know, you could see that Mercedes throughout the season so far have been putting it out there that uh, Red Bull have had the quickest car, you know, even though we saw Hamilton take pole in Imola by a very small margin. But coming here on paper it should be Red Bull that we see on pole position and good to see as well both cars are up there and challenging so Checo last time career best second um, place in qualifying first time on the um, front row as well for him so if we can get both Red Bull cars up there again and you know 
will hopefully be different to how it turned out in Imola, where Checo ended up going backwards in the race, and we could see uh, Red Bull really putting the pressure on Mercedes in terms of the Constructors' Championship points. Um, Max versus Hamilton again for, for the races, while hoping possibly for a um, repeat of Bahrain in the sense that it was a bit more wheel-to-wheel and a bit more close, but I'm sure there'll be fans on either side hoping for a bit of a procession as far as, um, you know, seeing their driver at the front and um, leading. So points only, you know, one point between them after win a piece is just Lewis had um, a faster slap extra point as well for out last time out in um, Imola. But um, as far as their teammates are concerned respectively they are the ones who really need to have I think a good weekend and it's fair to say that um, Bottas in particular has got the crosshairs on him Checo he did put in the impressive qualifying he put in the the comeback race in Bahrain but Bottas has been a bit absent even though we have seen him on the podium this season so far for all those um, critics who wanted to talk about how and why was Bottas racing George Russell in the first place in the previous race, you know, it's it's a fair point, it's a valid point given that, you know, Hamilton all weekend was up near the front and Bottas in, you know, what is supposed to be a top two car at the moment. Um, as far as top two teams are concerned, is all the way down in eighth and ninth, and then, you know, ended up not scoring points um, at the end of the day. So it'll be an important one for him this weekend too, just to kind of put himself back up there. He qualified second, finished second here last year in the race, um, behind, you know, 25 seconds behind his teammate Hamilton. And, you know, for those who don't remember, um, this was the venue where Hamilton took his 92nd win and, you know, moved, um, you know, moved to become the most uh, uh, winningest driver in F1. So there you go as well. Um, very hard for Valtteri to take on, I'm sure, but um, something's got to give, unfortunately, you know, for him. Um, but unfortunately, it isn't looking good at the moment. And the season is still long and, um, you know, you already hear the talks of what's going to happen with Mercedes next year. And it's it's a fair point to talk about given that, you know, Hamilton's only on a one-year contract. Um, does Mercedes go for a completely new lineup in 2022? And, you know, I've already discussed and given air to the idea that Zach Brown first floated, which was uh, putting Verstappen and George Russell in the car together. But um, it might not be the most uh, logical one, given that, um, you know, it might cause fireworks and some tension, which Mercedes don't really want to repeat uh, after Hamilton and Rosberg come into blows a couple of years, a um, few years that they spent together fighting for the championship. So, but, you know, early days yet. And <laughs> we might not see something sorted until later in the year, unfortunately, given um, given how it was last year and getting Lewis's deal sorted. But um, going back to the race, you know, instead of drifting off and talking about contracts and the future and everything, going back to the race, if all the top four cars are on song, then I guess, you know, you should see them ideally fighting for the podium, making it more difficult for the likes of McLaren and Ferrari, who both have been excellent in um, their business this year. You know, McLaren already with a podium on the board last time out. Um, points, both races for both drivers in both teams is a bit of a mouthful. But, um, you know, 
as well, Ferrari can be, the Tifosi can be buoyed after what they saw in Imola. Um, here as well, last year, Leclerc finished fourth, um, which, you know, you kind of don't realise until you look back at the result sheets last year um, how good Leclerc was, given how difficult the, the car and the situation was, and how you know, basically Ferrari were fighting with one hand tied behind its back with um, the second car then being Seb Vettel not being able to get up there and um, provide the points that they needed. So it's good to see Carlos Sainz in this instance now doing that. He's had two solid races so far. So, you know, it might be, as I said, Last time might be a closer battle between McLaren and Ferrari than we expect for third in the constructors' championship, but at that moment, at this moment, McLaren are winning. Sorry, <laughs> McLaren are winning uh, by virtue of that podium, and also still expecting Daniel Ricciardo to to find his feet in a couple of more races. You know, it's. Um, Interesting hearing the critics already saying, oh, you know, Lando's already proved that he's the better driver or, you know, with, with the team radio thing in Imola where um, they had to instruct Ricardo to let Norris pass as well. I think, you know, if they didn't do that, McLaren, then they wouldn't have had that result that they did. So whether we see more of that in the next couple of races until Ricardo finds himself in the position where he's the alpha. Um, I think, you know, it's, we should still see those points results coming, but it would be good to see, yeah, both, both drivers up there. And yeah, I just want to see McLaren meet Ferrari. That's it. (laughs) And, you know, saying nice things about Ferrari, it's because, you know, other people still don't want to say nice things. And as much as I don't like Ferrari, I, um, don't want them to be at the the bottom of the pile and they do deserve a little bit better and they are building you know there's positive steps out of that and the results that they're getting this year is is showing more consistency than we saw last year and you know you can see by virtue of you know Q3 appearances as well science was unlucky to miss out there in Imola um, by one one position and uh, Leclerc has obviously been very excellent so far, but hasn't, you know, left his teammate in his wake just yet. Yes. Uh, as I said, you know, the circuit characteristics for Portimao usually invites chaos, so it won't be a straightforward race, although I don't think we saw a safety car here last year, but we did see some, a little bit of a mess, as I said, you know, Stroll and, and Norris coming together, Max and, and Checo at the start of the race too, Science leading the race, first of all, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see how this one pans out whether we'll get a safety car or not as I said there's not going to be any rain or that's what it says so far on the radar so hopefully we have a nice um, you know wheel-to-wheel race you know across the board and the the scrap for the remainder of the points as well will be quite good you know between the Alpha Tauri, Alpine, Aston Martin, Alpha Romeo, all the A's throw them in there for some points you know Alpha unlucky to miss out in um in Emila because they had the the penalty come at the end of the race for Kimi Raikkonen, Aston Martin as well. They've kind of been chipping away with uh, one hand tied behind their back, unfortunately, with, with Seb and, and Stroll is doing a decent job, you know, to, to get the couple of points that he has so far. And, you know, what, what do they do? Do they just... Um, they can't really... Or, well, they can um, try and develop their way out of this uh, low-rake... Um, 
hole that they're in, but I don't think it would be a wise thing to do to spell, spend all your resources this year to try and fight your way up the uh, up the grid when you've got 2022 to look forward to. So, you know, not saying that they should write off 2021 at all, but, you know, I'm sure there'll be some races that'll be better than others for Aston Martin, and I think they've just got to swallow their pride on this one. Same thing with Alpine as well. It's been um, not the, I guess... Some people expected them to be where they are. Others thought, you know, they might have taken another step forward after last year. But, you know, it's it's building on what we had previously with Renault. And I just thought Renault were not doing a good enough job, basically. Uh, and a major overhaul was needed. So, you know, we've had that with the management, finally. And I think, like any wise person at the moment in Formula One you would say that you know you're going to put your eggs into the 2022 basket and um, see where that car takes you in terms of um, moving up the order and being in the hunt for race wins and whatnot because someone like Fernando Alonso is not going to he's not going to have the patience to wait beyond 2022. 2022 has got to be the year where they um, get up there. But hopefully this year, given the results of last year for Renault, um, there are some podiums that could be taken. Um, Both Ocon and and Ricardo were able to take podiums in in 2021. Oh, sorry, in 2020. So, you know, that'll probably wet the lips of Alonso a little bit though this year and Alpha Tauri too. Um Yuki Sonoda had a very, very uh, messy weekend there in, in Imola and, you know, as you do as a rookie you have those weekends. Gasly was good, you know, scoring points. So, you know, both drivers um for that team capable of taking away points from the other from the other guys there that I mentioned. And while we we're talking about Aston Martin and Seb, you know, Seb, unfortunately, still chasing a Q3 appearance. Um, he has not had one in the last 15 races. So, you know, given that this guy used to take pole positions with his uh, eyes closed <laughs> back in the day, you know, at Red Bull and everything, it's it's really interesting to see his fall from grace, you could say. And no points yet this season either. So whether um, he can chase some points for this um for the first time here in uh in Portugal <laughs> I just woke up after a little nap actually I feel really nice but also feel like going back to sleep um I don't know if you can hear it it's only what 10 to 10 to 4 in the afternoon and I and I just feel like napping a bit more but yeah going back to Seb you know it's um again one of those situations where he's just adapting himself to the car and the team but how long do you give him given that last year the results were pretty much the same and just not having the qualifying pace not just just not being anywhere you know anywhere where he he should be a four-time world champion should be so yeah you'd hope in a couple of races he can get his head around things there at Aston Martin and can start quali- um challenging for Q3 and is able to uh, score points as well, uh, along with the rest of the A's in the um, bottom part of the midfield. George Russell, you know, he'll need to bounce back after his uh, sorry weekend there in Imola. He also made that apology, as I said last week, um, in, in, on his role in the the Bodas crash and also the reaction, most importantly, that came after the race. So, you know, we should just hopefully let his racing do the talking now, but um, I think, you know, the way people 
took a you know went away and you know Toto Wolf and Mercedes as well. I think there will be a element of you know you know just just caution around George from now on. But um, hopefully that's not the case because he did show that he was uh, capable when he was in the Mercedes last year. And you know it'd be uh, it would make a lot of people upset if he wasn't able to get a Mercedes drive as a result of what happened there in Imola. So. Yeah, but otherwise, uh, you know, the you would say don't mess with Toto if if that is the case. But yeah, it shouldn't be. So yeah, that's um that's Portimao. That's uh Portugal should be a good race. Um, early prediction, I guess. You know, it would be would be hard to go beyond either Max or Lewis for pole position, and then same thing for the win. I think Max after Imola would have been a bit miffed about not getting pole, but then, you know, buoyed by the win, so, you know, this is Red Bull's chance to go 2-1 up on Mercedes, and I think they'll get the job done, so um, it'll be good before we head back to familiar circuits, even though this is, you know, considered a familiar circuit now in F1 terms, but yeah, going back to Barcelona and Monaco through the month of May, so yeah, should be should be a good one for Red Bull, I think, this weekend, but Mercedes will be there. Um, getting into the news as well then, you know, we had announcement that Callum Eilert will get an FP1 outing for Alfa Romeo this weekend, he signed on as a reserve driver along with uh, Robert Kubitzer as well, but Kubitzer of course got other things going on, so uh, Eilert will be on standby if, you know, Kimi Raikkonen or Antonio Giovinazzi are unable to race, so good opportunity there for the young Briton, highly rated as well um, is Eilat, and a lot of people saying you know he should have been on the grid this year, unfortunately we know that politics and things like that get in the way, money and all that sort of thing, so that you know some people do miss out and that's the that's the reality of F1 you know and it was interesting hearing the debate over the weekend after uh Colton Herter's dominance there at um St Petersburg in the IndyCar that you know why doesn't a guy like him get a crack at F1 you know that was I think Mario Andretti the great Mario Andretti coming out and saying on social media so yeah you know unfortunately it's it's not the it's not the case and it was interesting hearing Will Buxton's thoughts on this on his YouTube channel um, about super licenses and the way that um, teams are aligned all over the world as well um uh, like for, for McLaren, for example, you know, Patricio Ward, is, he's got a deal if uh, he wins a race this year in IndyCar for McLaren, Zach Brown will give him a test in a McLaren F1 car, so, you know, uh, it's a bit harder for Andretti given that they don't have uh, an F1 alliance at the moment, same with, with Penske and whatnot, but, um, you know, Buxton made a good argument, what's the point for these um, Indy superstars if they make it over to F1, but only for, you know, a team that's in the midfield or, you know, fighting just to, to score a point kind of thing. So as good as Colton is, I think it's good for him to stay in IndyCar and uh, show his talent there because they've got such a dedicated audience and, you know, people like me and other people I know who are multidisciplined with the motorsports that they watch, you know, they still value the results of somewhere like IndyCar, um, including, you know, uh, or alongside things like F1 as well. So, yeah, 
that's that one left there. So we had the news overnight that um, the Canadian Grand Prix will be cancelled due to the um, uh, quarantine rules, the rules around quarantining for any international travellers, which, you know, for F1, unfortunately, the circus would have to go into a 14-day quarantine, which logistically does not work at this stage. Um, and as a result, you know, they were left with no choice, the organisers, but to postpone the race or can the race, sorry, I should say, again this year, which is a shame because Canada's a favourite um, of many people. I, Even though it's a pain for me to get up at, you know, 4am in the morning, as it is for all the other people watching here in Australia, but, um, you know, we get another cracker of a race in its place with Istanbul Park coming back, so Turkey will be there on June the 13th. But um, it just gives... A bit of perspective also into, you know, the situation here in Australia too. So even though we're still many months away from the race um, in November, we still have similar quarantine restrictions for inter international travellers here too. So how is that going to work for um, them coming over to Australia, doing a 14-day quarantine if they have to? Um, will we see the Australian Grand Prix cancelled yet again? you know, so COVID still very much a thing, uh, Brazil at the moment looking very bad, um, whether things will settle down there as well in time for their Grand Prix, there was that talk, you know, that Daniel Ricciardo drummed up over social media about having two, uh, or back-to-back -back races there at Albert Park as well, whether that would work and everything, I guess, you know, it's all about being able to have a race at Albert Park before you can have two races, so, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that one all pans out, but, um, yeah, Canada out, Turkey in, and um, no 4am wake up, but uh, we do miss a cracker of a race that we usually have at the Circuit Gilles Villeneuve. So while we're talking about um, circuits and Grand Prix and new tracks and everything and all that sort of jazz, um, a new Grand Prix will be added to the 2022 schedule. So the Miami Grand Prix finally confirmed a landmark 10-year deal to run in the second quarter of 2022. So kind of um, in the time that we are now, um, you know, kind of before June, and, you know, there is talk that it will possibly be twinned up with the Canadian Grand Prix next year. Um, I'll look at the circuit. It's 5.4 kilometres in length, 19 corners with three straights running along, um, running around, sorry, the Hard Rock Stadium as well. Home of the Miami Dolphins. It's all what's in the press release. Um, and, yeah, the pit building as well will be adjacent with the Hard Rock Stadium. So, thoughts on it? Look, you know, it took a long time for them to get this deal sorted. A lot of uh, problems there with lo the local county and local politicians. Um, it's It almost seems like it's going to be... Well, we just have to wait and see. I was going to say, it seems like it's uh, been more trouble than it's worth, really. Um, I know it's been a uh, pet project for F1 and their owners in Liberty Media to have a second race there in the US. Uh, Chase Carey, as well, was trying to get this done. Um, it's finally done. It's going to happen. Whether it is a success and everything, it just remains to be seen. Like, as far as the circuit is concerned and looking at the virtual lap that we uh, got to see on social media, it looks quite boring. 
It looks like a lifeless circuit, similar to what we saw from Vietnam there on the F1 2020 game, and I'm so glad we didn't get a race at it, Vietnam in the end, you know, it's, which is a shame for Vietnam, the country, and, and the people who were looking forward to having the Grand Prix there, but um, sometimes just these, these street circuits are becoming a bit of a monotony, I think, and I don't want, you know, them to kind of go down the Formula E path and just to have these circuits like what we've realized over the last year especially through 2020 when we've had all these old tracks come back to the um, schedule such as Imola and Portimao and Nürburgring Turkey as well is that you know the racing at these kind of old school fast circuits is a lot better than what we're getting on the Tilkadromes and the and the street circuits you know Baku probably was the outlier because you know everyone said the same thing about Baku and we had such amazing racing at Baku and we can't wait to get back there in a couple of months time so who knows it might be something like Baku uh, Miami like location wise Miami you know it's so good for marketing it's so good for um, exposure and everything and you know I've already seen so many Grand Theft Auto, Vice City, and Scarface uh, parodies and to do with F1, so, you know, it, it's good in that respect, but, um, you know, there's so many other circuits that, you know, F1 could explore in the US as well, which would be, which is a story for another time I could go on about, I, I particularly love places like Watkins Glen, I think, you know, going back there would be great, although I don't think it's a, it's a grade one circuit, I think, I'm not sure if anyone wants to uh, check that for me, you're more than welcome, but uh, yeah, circuits like Watkins Glen, I think, um, would be great, there's also, you know, the, the, the New Jersey Grand Prix, when they were trying to plan that, you know, I think I would have been more in support of that, because of the location, and uh, I just love New York as well, and you could get the New York uh, Manhattan skyline in the background so yeah and speaking of New York you know just want to give a quick plug to the Knicks and how good they're doing this year in the NBA season um just yeah you know long-suffering Knicks fan finally getting a bit of gratification out of uh how they're going so yeah and it's funny watching people join the Knicks bandwagon as well this year it's like yeah no you don't get to do this given how much pain we've been through over the last few um almost last 10 years I could say yeah uh, I think 2013 or 14 was the last time we made playoffs so yeah to be almost guaranteed a playoff spot this year is is awesome so, yeah, that's my thoughts on Miami. It's one of those things where we just have to wait and see how the first race goes. Um, but I'm just going to, on the side of caution, just say, you know, yeah, you know, hopefully it's a success for the sake of F1. But it also means that we've got a 24th race added to the schedule unless another race drops off for next year. So we're really perilously getting close to that 25 race um, schedule that, they've talked about for a while now so and you all know that I'm not in favor of more races on the calendar but also which races do you will drop you know which will realistically drop you know I can totally tell you that I'd like to drop some of the races that are there for commercial reasons you know Saudi Arabia give it the flick Russia sorry goodbye uh, yeah I could be ruthless when it comes to this but um, even Abu Dhabi as much as I love it you know it is becoming a bit monotonous, but um, I still have a, a soft spot for Abu Dhabi because it is the only other international race that I've been to outside of Melbourne. 
Right, the next big point of discussion this week, and um, it's been a sore spot for quite a few people, as I thought it would be, and that's the introduction of sprint qualifying. So, unanimously approved by the F1 Commission um, to feature at three races this year. Um, It'll basically be a 100km sprint race on Saturday that will determine the grid for Sunday's race. It will give out points as well, but only three points for the winner, two for second, one for third, and won't be counted as a Grand Prix victory. It's just like um, a qualifying race, essentially, and no reverse grids whatsoever, which is so good because, yeah, the reverse grid could really just go stick its head down a drain. But... It does see a change in the, the format of the weekend, so Friday we'll have a 60-minute FP1 session, followed by the traditional qualifying as well, Q1, Q2, Q3, cars will be placed into Park Ferme, Saturday FP2, another 60 minutes before we have the sprint race, so the cars will basically be frozen in terms of Park Ferme, only certain things will be allowed to change um, on the grounds of safety, and also if temperature changes, they can change engine cooling and gearbox cooling parameters as well so that's good in the sense that these park ferme rules will stop teams from doing quality specific cars the objective of controlling costs as well be achieved and also they've worked out a way where extra revenue will be distributed for the teams if you know there are damage if there is damage to be had during those sprint races which you know let's be fair if teams are going to be cautious about you know riding off a weekend they might be they might as well just run in procession during the sprint race but who knows but given the fact that you know they're only going to be doing it at select races in this trial period but also if it's a success and they deem it to be something that they want to do in the future in 2022 they're only going to do it at select races they're not going to do it at every race so I'm I'm in favor of that part but at the end of the day I don't think it's going to enhance what we've got at the moment you know it'll give people a chance um, or we should really give it a chance this year I should say for the people who are going to be trackside there at Silverstone at, at Monza as well to enjoy the extra racing that they're going to get to see on a Saturday because the value suddenly goes up the exposure goes up so in a commercial sense this is very very good um, in a sporting sense, I just don't see the benefit from it. You know, is it really going to shake up the order for Sunday's race? We'll just have to wait and see. And I think that's why, and that's what I wrote um, as well during the week, is that, you know, whilst it's not going to enhance the current product that we have, let's just give it a chance before delivering a judgment. So Silverstone will be the first time we see it. Then again, at Monza and one other non-European venue. So, you know, that was slated to be Brazil, but it depends on whether we get a Brazil Grand Prix this year or not. So, you know, people can share their opinion if they like and and, and say whether they like it or uh, dislike it and everything. I'm happy to hear what you guys have to say. It's really important as well that we have this discussion, but I go on like a record, bro. <laughs> I go on a like a broken record when talking about you know changes to qualifying I think you know top 10 shootouts super pole would be something that would be good to see but I'm not as offended by this concept as I think you know would have been if it was a reverse grid type scenario and I just think again you know people who are offended by this uh, might need to just give it a chance first before we could completely write it off 
it hasn't been introduced as haphazardly as the elimination qualifying was back in 2016 where that was shoved down our throats for three races um sorry two races it was and by the third race they had to change it back to the traditional format so i think you know they've been a bit more cautious about it done their due diligence and everything and i think they are hoping that this is going to be a winner and um that especially for viewers and for for sponsorship and revenue and everything this is going to be good too and i'm sure fans will enjoy it too i mean the casual fan might not be able to um or you know people who are new to f1 might not be able to sit through a grand prix or you know for whatever reason but they can get a taste of what it's like through a sprint race uh, 100k without any pit stops and anything so yeah We'll talk more about it, obviously, when it comes to Silverstone and the fallout from there. But for now, I think, you know, ultimately, I can just say that I'm not as offended by this as what other people are. And also, if it was a uh, reverse grid race, then that would be even more worse. Finally, I wanted to talk about... um, Sorry. (laughs) Finally, I wanted to talk about Formula E and uh, what happened over the weekend there at the Valencia E Prix. A bit of controversy, um, a lot of criticism brought forward to the sport as a result of it, which I think is quite unwarranted. I'm going to stand by Formula E, something, you know, I probably wouldn't have cared too much about over um, a few years ago. But, you know, given that my interest in in that sport has... um, gone up a lot more over the last two years I'd say I think you know it's worth having this discussion and talking about why you know this was really just a one-off kind of thing and given the the circumstances it was you know just an anomaly you could say so what had happened was basically a one in 1000 kind of event where nine out of 24 cars on the Saturday race there at Valencia um the Rear Circuit Ricardo Tormo, it's a permanent facility, which, you know, I think Formula E hasn't raced on a um, permanent racetrack before, Um, they did, you know, put in like little chicanes and everything as well, which was kind of funny, (laughs) Um, and my partner, when she saw, I think, the final chicane on on the main straight, she's like, why they got like a little blockage there in the middle of the or like why have they got that there in the middle and so like yeah I don't know because these cars can't go very fast um yeah so nine out of 24 cars were classified at the end of the race it was a safety car affected race it was rain affected and basically all it was all to do with the fact that you know everyone um misjudged how much uh, sorry misjudge their energy management you know because who's going to know that how many safety cars are you going to have at the end of the race the only guys who didn't do that were basically your top three so nick de vries winning the race uh nico moller for dragon finishing in second and stoffel van dorn f- um also for mercedes in third so mercedes did a good job of um realizing this and managing it whereas everyone else kind of just yeah you know didn't couldn't do anything you know they were just caught off guard by it you know Felix Antonio Felix da Costa as well ending up with a penalty post-race as a result of a um, violation in this respect as well so you know it's just one of those one in 1000 things where it just happens you deal with it you can't do anything to prevent it you know Lucas Degrassi 
quite poignantly saying after the race that, you know, Formula E should not be judged on this one-off occurrence, and I fully agree with him. Jean-Eric Verne as well, two-time champion there, saying that, you know, Formula E shouldn't be racing on a permanent road course anyway. They should be sticking to street tracks, given that this is a lot quicker as a circuit, and the cars at this stage in their, you know, in their lives, in, in the Gen Gen 2 or second generation, um are not fully equipped to, to be able to go around those fast corners and use that much energy, or like they use all that energy really quickly. Um, and a result, and as a result, you know, basically of the pandemic and everything, Formula E had no choice but to do a race here. You know, they couldn't go anywhere else. So they tried, you know, to do the right thing and to have a race weekend, which they still did. You know, you got your results there you had your top three for the first race the second race as well was fine you know given that it was dry there was no there was no similar situation there you know Jake Dennis put in an excellent race there from pole position for BMW and you know Dennis obviously new to Formula E this year he's done a lot of GT3 racing with Aston Martin I've seen him here at the Bathurst 12 hour couple of times as well when he took pole actually in 2019 I think it was in the in the super pole session so that was an epic lap from him to see Andre Lotterer for Porsche up there and also Alex Lynn getting a podium too um the second race was fine the first race you know a one and once in a lifetime kind of occurrence and we don't expect that to happen again nor do I expect Formula E to be back at Valencia anytime soon either apart from testing so yeah just one of those things where the critics just have to just jump on board and have their say straight away rather than you know you know waiting you know taking a minute to pause and and reflect on the situation and kind of put together the pieces and say to themselves so or ask themselves I should say why has this happened in a very rational kind of way in rather than in an emotional way why this has happened is because we've had rain we've had like five or six safety cars as well how often does that happen how often does the sport go to a permanent road course instead of a straight circuit there you go so when you piece together all that and you look at it from a very um, calm point of view, then it makes a lot more sense. And what a the, the thing at the end of the day is, I love how fans are invested in in the sports that they love and um, everything like that. You know, it's it's good to see the passion. But at the at, at the at the same time, what have you got invested? You know, have you got your mortgages tied to the result of the the race, or you know whether all 24 cars finish or not, so that's where you just got to take a step back and chill, I think, and um, I fully agree with everyone who's defending the sport, and I'm also a bit sad that they have to defend the sport, because they've done such a great job over the last few years to really get their profile up, they're a world championship now as well, they've got such a great depth of drivers on the grid too, like the names all I, the, all the names that I've read out so far, you know, such class classy drivers in their own respect so I think it's just it's unfair to try and put the tarnish on them over what happened that um in that race and I'm sure we'll forget about it very soon as well unless we watch a season review tape and look at back at um look back at Valencia and the the one off race that they had there that uh, resulted in only nine out of 24 cars finishing 
anyway, that's that's it. Um, so yeah, that's actually it for for the podcast this week too. So whether I go back and have a nap now is um, being debated internally, but um, you know, otherwise for you guys, thanks for listening. Uh, be sure to follow through on Linktree and look at our Twitter profile. Uh, that hit the Apex Media and um, some some Instagram stuff as well, and the usual. I'll be up live blogging the race on Sunday. So, yeah, um, hopefully it's a good one there in Portugal. So thank you and we'll see you next week.